It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello. Welcome to episode three of my podcast. I'm so excited. The best thing about recording a podcast rather than YouTube videos is that it can be dark outside and I could be wearing whatever I want. I could be on the toilet if I wanted to, really. But anyways, this episode is with Craig McHugh, the Vice President of the USI uh, in the Dublin region. And I think this podcast is so relevant, like my first episode as well, for the upcoming general election 2020 because it has a lot to do with student fees, uh, student accommodation, rent caps and that sort of thing and that's all to do with politics so like for any legislative change to do with your with third level education anyway you need to go to your local politicians you need governmental change so it is very relevant and highlights the importance of voting that I've been annoying and talking about on my story all week so and I think over the last few weeks since I've started um my sustainable development courses it's highlighted a lot how every single issue is so intrinsic to the next so say if there's higher education fees there's less chance of decent work for people and therefore less chance of economic growth and also an increase in the disparity of the classes so the working class ending up just working harder and harder towards no end goal and the rent price is increasing so the living wage is increasing but the minimum wage is just staying relatively the same so it's just like perpetually just getting worse and worse and I know it might not seem as expensive as in the UK or the US but that is like very not really good examples as well I don't think we want to be comparing ourselves to those nations to be honest but anyways um I think there were just constantly compared to them being like ah sorry cut out there because I nearly choked to death but anyway yeah we're constantly compared to those two nations and we we're just thinking ah it's not that bad like our fees aren't that bad and especially for me I like I'm gonna be honest I come from a pretty well like a good background I'd be able to afford college and my parents would be able to afford it and I'm really lucky so I probably don't see the realities of people who might even want like want a third level education and just their parents can't afford it and I had to when I wanted to go to BIM I had to pay for my first year in college then and then you just see you're like constantly second guessing yourself is this worth it if you're paying for your fees yourself is it worth taking out the loans the hardship that I have to go through through and uh, like as well I live in Dublin so I have no idea what it's like for students outside of Dublin who want to come to the city to learn because a lot of courses aren't available outside of the capital which is also a very irritating thing for me because I've highlighted as well how important decentralization is but anyway that's another issue but again if without third level education less chance of decent work increasing disparity between the classes and just constantly it's just like unfair on everyone and Craig talks about what European countries uh, you can get a free education from and again we have huge emigration rates with our generation who are just constantly just emigrating for better opportunities so that rent prices are going up and we don't even have a chance for a better education so why the fuck would we stay in the country it makes absolutely no sense and then i think the government are just always looking for a quick fix for stuff it's like 
of course people are demanding a lot we want loads of changes like we want lower rent prices at least I'm really really advocating that and also climate action so they need money for all these things better health care as well that's really important but as well with better health care sorry I'm going on a tangent here but with better health care there needs to be more education on nutrition and how to like how to um avoid disease communicable diseases and as well with with um global warming why am i freaking out i'm like running out of breath with global warming and increase in temperatures that's like a feeding ground for bacteria so it's like higher risk of getting infections and diseases anyway and there's just no education behind us so they're like build more hospitals but not looking at the root uh, cause of the problem like maybe if there was less less health issues like asthma is on the rise with air pollution as well you have to ban all the things that are making people sick for example obviously cigarettes like i have the odd smoke on a night out obviously but if there was, uh, I, I could say increase the taxes on smokes, but maybe just more education behind it, like ban the bad chemicals that are in the smokes. Um, just more education on nutrition as well. Like, especially with foods and things, I think that's the most important. And it's like less focused on that. There's there's no real education around nutrition unless you choose to do home economics in school. It's not compulsory. Um, but anyway, again, before I get too riled up about this, it's very so so important to just educate the people around you if you do have you think a better understanding of political parties than you do save your best mate try have a conversation with them when you're out having drinks like but make it nice i mean i do i'm gonna guys i get a bit horny talking about politics me and my sister we get so into it so we love it but other people might not but most of the time when i do talk about it with people they're also very interested it's just like an aphrodisiac to be honest no joking 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 but i really do highly recommend getting involved in conversations with your friends with your families because sometimes people are just making they're just it's just a visceral response to whatever they think an issue is like for example my mom just like comes out with these random statements it's just like ah well nothing will get done but she literally has no facts behind them so we just have to explain to her how things work and then she understands so like don't take the don't have the mentality either that your parents know more than you because most likely most likely more often than not they don't they don't even know more than you so and also another thing that craig said don't look for all your information on twitter a lot of stuff i've seen on twitter isn't actually even true like definitely just double verify stuff even the Irish Times can be wrong we all saw when Kobe Bryant died the BBC put up a fucking picture or a video of LeBron James we all know that the media can be terribly catastrophically wrong so just double check every single thing you do email your candidates that are running in your area look at the manifestos for each political party the like literally the majority of people voting don't even put any education behind their vote they're just like oh my parents are voting for this person my friends voting for this person just make sure you're educating the people on what the fuck they're voting for it's so important it is so fucking important and as well because craig said in this podcast the irish government takes so fucking long to actually get shit done so it's really important the young year are to get involved in politics because most likely you're going to be pissed off in the future whenever i don't know you're going to buy a house or whatever it is or you're bringing your kids to schools and there's no there's no room left in the school that you want to bring them to or your parents sick and there's no fucking beds in the hospital and you can't afford private health care so that's highlighting the importance and as well obviously the environment but I'm trying to wean myself off of giving out to people about the environment because you know there are other important issues and I want to make people aware that I'm also aware of the other issues that we have in the country but again if you're sick polluted air people are breathing that in yeah it's going to make everything worse perpetually just absolutely 
catastrophic. Anyway, is that everything I wanted to say? Anyway, hopefully that was a good explanation. So just to make sure you're registered to vote, well, it's past the date of registry, but anyway, make sure that you're educating the people around you and that you're making a well-educated vote on whoever you're voting for. I'll be voting if you're interested. This shouldn't influence your vote either. You should do your own research behind them. There are downfalls with every political party and every single candidate. So just make sure that the people, whoever you're voting for, just align with your values. So I'll be voting for people before profit first, then probably Greens and probably like Sinn Féin down the line, maybe Labour. Then my absolute last would be Fianna Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael. So they're the people that I want to avoid because I want more of a left-wing government. Anyway, I hope that was a good explanation. Here is the interview and I hope you enjoy. Thank you guys so much for listening and okay, bye. Okay, so compared to fees in the EU, uh, what is Ireland like? Yeah, so Ireland comes in at 3,000 euros. So basically the way it works is you pay 3,000 and then the government adds about 3,000 euros onto your fees. So the amount of funding that an institution would get would be about 6,000 euros per student. The way that used to be would be that the government would pay the entire 6,000, if you get me. So now the amount the student pays is a lot more. But if we go across the the water into Europe, uh, uh, undergraduate tuition fees in public institutions, and this is important, most institutions in Ireland are public. Mm. In the EU can be a bit different, but most of them are. Um, Austria, it's free. Bulgaria, 160 to 850 per year. Uh, Czech Republic, free. Denmark, free. Germany, free. Greece, free. Iceland, free. Malta, Norway, Poland, free. Cyprus, free. Slovakia, free. Slovenia, free. Sweden, free. Spain, 680 to 1280. You know, Luxembourg, 200 to 400 per, per semester um, yeah so it's absolutely insane we're paying three three thousand euros uh, a year so you know that's that's 12 grand after a full degree program i suppose so where do you think the money is going now because the 2020 budget has been coming out has come out now and the white rotter rafting center has caused some controversy so where do you think that the money is going towards and if you think it's being used correctly um Okay, well, I, I'm not going to even mess around. The, the money that we're paying to go to college is definitely not going on whitewater rafting. And if it is, <laughs> we need an absolute revolution in this country. Um, the whitewater rafting thing, I think, is a bit of a shambles, to be honest. Um, it's kind of a case of, right, we need something for the rich people to do around Dublin. Um, people say it's going to incentivize tourists to come over here. I don't know about that. I don't think. Uh, I think people come over here for the points, the culture, uh, and the music, and the crack, and the Irish people. But there's not going to be very many of us left if we're priced out of the city. Um, but yeah, look, I think the way that the entire system is going is it's really, really, really underfunded. And I think we all see that. Like, you know, it's the reason why our libraries are so full. Like, look at some colleges that have doubled in the amount of numbers they have and they haven't doubled their library spaces. You know, it's the simple things. And it's really, really sad. It's kind of like the commodification, if you know what I mean, of education as opposed to like making education serve the public good, which is really, really dangerous and kind of worrying, I think. I think a lot of services are like that in Ireland, though. It's just like commodifying everything. Yeah. Um, but what have you done in you in terms of like USI? What have you done to help that or combat that? Yeah, so I suppose for the last 10 years, we've been really trying to keep the government uh, in line to some, to some degree to make sure that education isn't totally commodified. So, you know, there's been large-scale protests in the last decade really around trying to keep education as a public good. Um, so, you know, we launched the Coalition for Publicly Funded Education about five years ago, and that was really in the aftermath of the government taking the decision to go back. I think, I think we really need to go back here for a second and really look at 
that fees were 850 euros um, at the time of the start of the emergency measures, and then they gradually creeped up to 3,000 euros. But we had um, we had an infamous pledge from the former Labour Party leader, uh, or former Labour Party education spokesperson, Rory Quinn, and he stood outside uh, Trinity College and said he wouldn't increase tuition fees when he was education minister. Uh, and he did. And he, uh, he, he put them up big time. Uh, he increased them a number of times. Um, by 250 euro each year, I might add. And that really has shut the doors and put up huge barriers to education for many people. And I think, you know, it's a big disincentive for people, not just working class people, but everyone really. You know, do I go to college and saddle myself with debt in many cases because it's so expensive? And really for those people as well that don't get Susie grants, you know, you might be a little bit above the threshold, but you're not stinking rich. Uh, and you're there like, well, I'm going to have to forego a year or two and, and work for this um, instead of getting to access education. So you're kind of putting your life on, on pause for a moment. So. I have friends as well who can't get to Susie because their parents are self-employed. So they claim like ambiguity with their income, even though it's less than the threshold. They can just <coughs> be like, no, because you're self-employed, you can make whatever. Um, so it is. <coughs> but you think, they, have they increased like the bracket with Susie grants or how much they give because the fees have gone up or... No, so this is this is a really big problem. So basically what they have done is they've actually uh, decreased the amount of money that's kind of going into Susie, so the amount of support you get. And they've also kind of closed the brackets. So it's more difficult to get the Susie grant now than it ever has been. Ah. And then you're also getting less money. And the, the other thing as well is is that a little thing like the cost of living has really, really changed in the last few years. And Susie has not changed to reflect that. So, you know, in you know many submissions that we've been making to government, presenting to the government on how difficult it is to survive as a student, never mind live as a student. Um, we've been continuously kind of saying, I suppose, that Susie needs to be brought into reality with the cost of living. So, you know, that hasn't been amended, never mind even being amended to deal with the, the fee increase. So if you get Susie, in some cases, your, your fees are covered. In other cases, they're part covered. But, you know, that's just getting in the door. Do you know what I mean? You've got material fees. You also have to survive. You have to feed yourself. And then there's a little thing called rent, <laughs> which is uh, which is crazy. Um, you know, like rent in this city is absolutely astronomical in Dublin uh, even when you go out beyond Dublin you look at like Waterford Galway Cork these places are super expensive like literal extortion um, when you look at you know the land prices and the land value you know it's people are absolutely sitting back here laughing at students at our expense mm. yeah um, and what have you done work with Joe McHugh? Is he the Minister for Education? What has he said on it? So we work closely with Joe McHugh and Mary Mitchell O'Connor, I suppose, on the education issue. So just two years ago, the Leo Varadkar kind of created the position of the um, junior minister with responsibility for higher education. So that's Mary Mitchell O'Connor. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have most dealings with her on the topic of the funding of higher education and Joe McHugh as well. Um, and we've been doing regular lobbying to them as well. But look, I think I'm just going to play it out here clear. Fine Gael don't really care about, yeah. about funding higher education. And we've seen that clearly. Um, you know, one thing could be said about during the Fine Gael Labour coalition that they had a recession and austerity and whatnot, whatever. For the last number of years, we've been in recovery, you know. We all joke about the boom being back and all this kind of stuff, but where, where's the boom here? Like, do you know what I mean? Um, and I mean, like, I think we all know the boom really isn't. It's a it's a ridiculous idea in the first place. But you know, there's no boom for the people on the streets. There's no boom for families living in emergency accommodation, and there's certainly no boom for students paying the highest tuition fees in the EU 27. And what we've gotten back is 
you know, there's no response. So the Cassells report, which was a report done about three years ago um, by a number of experts in education, which recommended options on how to fund higher education in the future. Um, one of the options was institute income contingent loan schemes. So does that sound nice, do you think? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It sounds nice. Okay. So I suppose it sounds it sounds nice at the start because you think, okay, so now I have to pay now. It's like sunny oh, now, pay later. Huge. It's absolutely yeah. enormous. So this is pretty much the UK, Australia, US oh, model yeah. where your fees are going to be 100 grand uh, absolute privatization of the education system. Some would say this would lead to, you know, more investment from private companies and all that kind of stuff. The way we see it is education should be a public good and it should be accessible. So they were on about introducing them. We said, absolutely not. Um, so we had major protests uh, around the time of them thinking of doing that, which was like 2015, 16, 17. And then, so here's a gas reference. So um, about a year and a half ago, we were really, really scared that these things were going to be coming through. And so we had a, there was a, a protest. I, I used to work in DCSU. We were having a protest about like the rent hikes that were happening. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mary Mitchell O'Connor, the Minister for Higher Education, came outside to our protest outside the doll. And she was like, stop it, stop it, relax. You know, everyone stop shouting. And uh, we're all like, what the f-? Uh, So she came out and this was, this was hilarious. She said, okay, I can't promise you the rent caps, but we are doing work on this. And, and, and they did, they delivered, they brought in rent caps. But then she, they, they came out and said, you know, loan schemes are off the table. And this was just the most bizarre moment because you had the minister with responsibility for this decision that we just did not want to be taken coming out and saying this, not mm-hmm. by a press release or anything like that, but with a megaphone in their That's hand so screaming out to us. And I was just there like, this is, this is gas. So you look, you know, loan schemes are off the table uh, for the length of this government, which is probably not that long. Mm-hmm. Um, and they said now they're going to freeze tuition fees if they're brought back into government so they won't go up and you know you know aren't they so good you know they're not yeah. going to put them up anymore you know um famous last <laughs> words though yeah <laughs> yeah really words. really yeah. like just it's just absolutely insane so we, we've been dealing with them you know quite heavily trying to lobby them trying to push them but you know we're not getting anywhere finnegale have an ideology you know that perhaps you don't need to invest in things you should just let the market fix it um and it just doesn't work oh interesting yeah yeah so coming from a politician great yeah um and also when i was down i did a talk in ucc and there's actually people in tents <laughs> like who students living in yeah. tents and um is there any like housing that's just vacant because people can't afford it like is there student accommodation that's going free because i know in dcu there's like a, a long list but is there like actually vacant places but people can't afford it to live in it <coughs> yeah so there is um okay so the reality is in the cities there's kind of this luxury student accommodation market that exists mm-hmm. so this goes back to a thing called a national student accommodation strategy that the government put out two years ago and basically what that said was let's build more student accommodation because we've got loads of students and we need to build places for them to stay so not staying in the private rental market. So instead of government building it themselves or setting up an, a, an agency to build it, um, they kind of let like foreign capital come in and make loads of money off us. So companies mm-hmm. like Unionist, Aparto, they all started popping up about the place. And it wasn't like one or two. There's like 15 of them in Dublin 8 alone. Yeah. And it's like, you know, student accommodation city, but no one can afford them. Like they're absolutely mad. There's loads of them laying vacant. Um, and, you know, 
they, they, they're vacant, but what's, what's starting to happen is less of them are vacant now because something really dangerous has started to happen. It's become normalised. So now it's not a case of, you know, when, when you would have first saw somewhere like, oh, that's too expensive, I'm not going to stay there. It's now a case of that's the way it is. Mm. I will adjust my lifestyle to suit this. And this is really, really dangerous because what this means is, is now it's like, okay, so I should be spending 50, 60% of my wages on accommodation which is absolutely barbaric um and you know that means that you've got less time to do things for yourself you're working longer hours and you're not really getting to live which is really dangerous because then you're normalizing it as opposed to being like oh it's going to be like this for the next while and the government then thinks okay it's grand so that's why you've got loads of these places popping up the minimum price is 800 euros a month and these places are absolutely nuts they're not that big as well they're not luxury they've got a bowling alley and a cinema but you know that's that's the you know it's it's bizarre yeah. um and and they brand it saying you know oh well it's so students have stuff to do that's not drinking and all this kind of stuff and we're like Okay, cool. Thanks. Maybe cut the price of it. You know what I mean? There was a poster in NTAD and it was like, if you pay for the six months in full, you get 50 euro off <laughs> the student accommodation. I was like, oh my God, such a bargain. Oh my God. I was actually in one once though. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. Someone had an after session. It was like an Asian student in NTAD. But obviously like her parents were paying for the rent. Yeah. And, uh, but like other people saying in that, it was like four to one room and they were all working full time. And then a lot of them have to drop out yeah. as well because they literally can't have the time to even study or like do work. Because a lot of colleges are set up that you do all your work outside of college hours. And then like, if you're studying law, for example, you literally don't have time to have a job. No. Um, people who have masters wouldn't have time to have a job either. Um, so it's just like huge, huge loans coming out now. So what came about now this um, what is USI's plan to like combat this? Yeah, so look, when he's, realistically, there needs to be an absolute... Things just need to change. Mm. Like, it's not a case of like, we need to change this and then it's going to be fixed. We need... Uh, we just need an entire political revolution. And I think we can do it, mm. but like, we really need young people to show up and vote I, I don't know I don't know who to vote for like I'm not going to say go vote for Sinn Féin go vote for the Green Party go vote for Labour I'm not going to say that like I'm going to say go vote for people that haven't been leaving us behind and are promising to do something different but we're not doing it we did it with repeal and we did it with marriage equality mm. but like if you look at the local elections we had like a green wave but like Fine Gael are still doing very well Fianna Fáil is still doing very very well and their policies are absolutely devastating for students and also when we graduate like the housing market like we think it's bad now but like what's it going to be like when we want to try and buy a house or not pay 50% of our wages on our rent mm. so what we've been doing is registering students to vote and really putting it into their into their psyche particularly younger students that don't know any different that think this is the way it's always mm. been and being like look this government has absolutely shat all over us pretty much um let's get them out and let's put something else uh in their in their replacement and i think i think something else needs to be our generation i think our generation actually cares about these things and the older generation doesn't without being like two ages um but they don't they they care about keeping their money and we need like a redistribution of wealth um absolutely in this country and it's just not happening because we all need to share the pie and it's kind of like what if, if if this is the way it is for us what's going to be like for our children mm. and then there's also the question is 
are our children even going to live here? Like, is there a future for our generation in this country? And if there's no future for our generation in this country, that's very worrying for the older ones because who's going to pay for their pensions? Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Who's going to look after Yeah, us? yeah, exactly. Um, uh, now, I've interviewed, like, so uh, climate activists and they say the same things. Like, what's it going to be like for our children? <laughs> so now it's like, you won't have air to breathe. You won't be able to live anywhere. Is it hard to... You, do you feel like you're just screaming over other screaming voices trying to be heard with all these other issues going on? Or how do you, like, stay focused in what problem you want to solve? Or do you feel like you just jump from each one? Uh, well, we're very focused on education and access and kind of... A more equal society at large, that's really what USI is all about. Um, when it comes to climate change, it's absolutely a, a priority issue. But the way we see it is there are so many fantastic activists out there mm. doing the greatest work ever. If we can do anything to elevate their voices, that's what needs to be done instead of us jumping on the bandwagon necessarily and us screaming on top of them on the same issue. Mm. So I think they're both issues that are existential for the future of our society. But I'm not being naive or an idiot here like you know if there's no planet why are we talking about education <laughs> you know what I mean like so you know a hundred percent that's mm. I don't think we should be shouting over them and I think they should be shouting over us I don't think that happens I think what happens is is we recognize they're both major issues so when it comes to organizing a housing demonstration Extinction Rebellion will have chats with National Housing and Homeless Coalition and raise the roof and be like hey we're organizing this at this time maybe better if we you know, organise this around another time and, like, let's get the messaging right and I'll show up to your stuff, you show up to mine. Because it's all a collective movement. It's a, a collective movement for change and it's not left or right. It's, like, we deserve better and we also deserve a future, mm-hmm. full stop. So it, sometimes from the outside looking in, it might be like, oh, my God, they're all shouting. Oh, my God, they're all angry. Like, will they ever calm down and relax? But, like, we need to be shouting. Because yeah. it, it's just so real it's no longer a sense of oh things have gotten kind of bad it's like devastatingly bad like you know like students are you know working 50 plus hours a week in precarious work on low paid work international students here are paying 10 grand a year for their rent in luxury accommodation and 10 grand for their tuition because international fees are so high um you know students are out there students are living in direct provision and have absolutely no rights which are pretty much the maglin laundries of today like they're, it's absolutely a stain on our society so it's it's just has to be you know just has to cross every boundary it's all the one fight Mm. everyone's fight realistically you know if you think if you're a member of the lgbt community and you think marriage equality is a done deal for your community you're absolutely wrong if if you think you know if you're someone that identifies as as a woman and think you know repeal the eight that's it we're done there's still so much to do Mm. there's so much and we need to get that energy back out there because realistically as a society we're being trampled upon do you know what i mean Mm. like i mean you know there's still the gender vague gap there's still the issues when it comes to direct provision there's still education access issues climate change is banging on the door there's still massive opposition to hate speech legislation homophobia transphobia absolutely right ramping through our laws so we just have so much work to do but we all need to work together because when when one movement when one movement wins another movement wins and everyone wins and that that's the most important thing that we're we're all there together we're not fighting each other do you know what i mean um, and if you work with politicians, is there any apparent change that you can see within them or are they doing anything? Or do you feel like you have to 
You know, like, it's like pulling blood from a stone sort of thing. Um, I think, look, I think there is a number of political parties that do hear us. So, and like, I think, I think all political parties maybe minus like Renewa and the National Party, which like I just don't take seriously. Um, like they're in many ways have very worrying views and quite racist views. Issues. Okay, there so. you go. Um, so <laughs> the thing is, some of them are listening. So like, look, Fine Gael have said no more loan schemes. We're not going to bring in loan schemes. They said we're not going to put up tuition fees. That's a success in one end because we know that they're not going to, you know, necessarily look into making education free for all right now that's a battle we still have to win whereas if we go over to the more left-wing parties Sinn Féin are pro reduction of tuition fees the Labour Party are pro reduction of tuition fees publicly funded education people before profit they want to scrap tuition fees make it free make it accessible the Green Party want to make tuition um, to cut tuition as well so you know there's major successes there um, but we're not going to tell every student to vote left-wing we're going to tell students you know look at the policies, whose will make your life better, make your decision that way, make it informed that way. You know, the politicians are listening, they're putting forward things as well. So, you know, look at, for example, the rent freeze bill, which we've been calling for for quite a long time as well, which is put forward by Sinn Féin. And, you know, that has passed and it's now gone through different stages of the Oireachtas. Fine Gael's going to money message it, but Sinn Féin have forced Fianna Fáil into voting for it, which means if Fianna Fáil get into government, which is likely next year, they'll have to introduce the rent freeze. Oh. Now, look, I know you're like, oh no, Fianna Fáil are going to be back in. <laughs> but like, and I don't want, like, you know, I'd much rather more left-wing government me personally. But just analysing the way politics works and the way that the polls are going... Um, if that happened, that would be a small win, but a win still. So it's about making sure everyone is kind of agreeing to the things that we believe in. Um, we've won one side. It's now time to really drive it home to Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael. And I think if everyone is talking about it and everyone really takes it as seriously as it is, they'll have no choice but to get behind us. Um, it can be very, very difficult working with the larger parties, but they have shown some level of support. But, you know, they have an ideological battle to, to face this too. You know, Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael, a lot of their TDs are landlords. Um, so yeah. why would they go against, why would they go for things that would affect landlords? Why would they move from a property tax to a site value tax? Mm. You know, why would they do these things that would help tenants when they themselves are landlords or they come from a, an economic ideology that says, don't touch the market because if you do that, like bad things will happen. Like, mm. bad things are already happening. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, it can be like drawing blood from a stone, but we're getting blood. <laughs> okay, grand. And uh, you say that you do work, like, trying to encourage people to vote yeah. in colleges. And what sort of things do you do? Yeah, so um, we encourage, obviously, student unions on the ground. So in USI, we are obviously the national representation, national representative organisation. But we work very closely with the student unions on the ground themselves. Mm -hmm. So we will roll out campaigns, um, like Get Registered, uh, like Generation Vote, to encourage students to register to vote. So we'll set up voter registration stalls at the start of the year um, during their orientations and freshers' week and stuff like that and be like, get registered. But it's like, take a shot and get registered. Pretty much, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great idea for a campaign. Um, maybe we'll see now. Um, but, you know, really it's about getting students 
to recognise how important voting is. And like I see absolutely why a student would say nothing changes. Because nothing has really, really changed. Mm-hmm. Politics in this country is so slow. Like at, at least the one good thing in like maybe in the UK or something is like you have a referendum and something dramatic changes. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like <laughs> whether that's for good or bad. Um, but you know, this country, things take so long. Uh, we really, really need young people to say, okay, I'm going to vote and I'm going to vote for actual change instead of voting for necessarily someone that I recognise because I see their posters everywhere. Mm. It's about really investigating things. And, and it's because, you know, our civic education is disastrous in this country. You know, there's a reason why, it, you know, young people may feel disconnected from politics. Mm. Um, so it's about really trying to get them back, get them engaged, get them really seeing a sense and urgency in democracy uh, because, you know, the older generations see it but that means they vote, and that means they vote for their interests. So it's really as an education piece here that, that, that is a big role for us to play that is saying, you know, we need to really activate young people so that because they care about these issues, they're angry with these issues. You know, look at Twitter, look everywhere. Um, young people really, really care about climate change. They really, really care about education. They really, really care about housing. You know, they really care about a more fair and equal society. So why is it that our government doesn't reflect that? We need to make sure in the next election, young people's views are reflected in the next doll and in the next Shannon and in council elections too. So yeah, voter registration, also break the barriers, really an education piece again about you know, how bad things have gotten, whereas where the government used to view education as a public good, where the government used to make sure rents weren't this expensive Mm. let's get back to something more like that that's more sustainable that's more fair um and obviously not going back to the mistakes of the past where people were giving handouts to bankers and stuff like that but really going back to you know what we had and trying to make things better and uh i work with a lot of climate activists that are really young and they seem to be well to me they're like the most enthusiastic and motivated for change and do you think there's a possibility of lowering the the voting age because it is affecting them because it because politics happens so slow here and any change that we want it happens over a long time so it makes more sense to lower the voting age um i don't know if you're involved with that or do you speak about that with usi yeah, so I actually, um, I've been doing this for a while, so I used to work with ISU, which is the Irish Second Level Students Union, so, and we had a campaign for votes at 16. You know, look, the idea that someone from the age of 16 to 18 goes through this absolute, like, mind revolution or something that makes them make an informed vote or decision is absolutely ludicrous, it's ridiculous. Mm. Someone that's 16, you know, <clears throat> pays taxes, is very much so involved in society, cares um, and, you know, are, are, are working towards their leaving cert. Some of them are, have finished school as well and are working, taking up an apprenticeship. They need to be given, they need democracy extended to them. And I think they also care about these things. You know, the, the other side of that debate will say they're too emotional, they care too much or they, they won't make an informed decision or they will be easily swayed or I think someone once said, because I'm originally from uh, Louth, was, oh, they'll all vote for Sinn Féin. And I was like, well, that's representative then. Mm. You know, that's what they want. Um, maybe start appealing to them. What, what, so it's kind of like, okay, so we should only care about people over the age of 18? Is that it, really? Is that what you're saying? Mm. And then here and now, then we'll, we'll care about those that are under 18? You know, like young people care about these issues and young people are, dr- are driving forces, leading forces. Like you said, climate change. Climate change is being le- led by a 16-year-old. Mm. Um, this entire movement is being led by Greta Thunberg mm. with some incredible activists by her side on a more localised national level 
that are all under 18 or just above it and they can't vote. That's absolutely insane. Like, um, remember like the, I think the doll was open up to like under 18s as well a couple of weeks ago as well. That was amazing. And the, like, articulously, the, 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 the capability of them to be able to present their ideas is an absolute stink in the face to those like Senator Marie Louise O'Donnell, whatever, are coming around saying, you know, oh, they, they, don't, they don't know anything, they don't care, and pulling up this idea of, oh, my 16-year-old couldn't give a rat's about voting or democracy, or I asked them what was Fine Gael, and they're like, oh, is that the Labour Party, is that Joan Burton? Like, all these absolutely ridiculous statements. Mm. Um, it's ageist, it's absolutely ageist. It's, yeah. it's so patronising, and we're so done with it. We're just, we just need to absolutely write it away and anytime it comes up we need to stand up against it um, because it's, it's absolutely ludicrous. Like there was a presidential voting referendum as well a couple of years ago and you know there was no talk about that whatsoever but you know you look at like Countess Markovich she was very young as well and she was an absolute icon um, when it came to the revolution. You know a lot of our, our leaders during the 1916 rising were very very young um, very well informed and had a vision for the future of this society is that to say you know they're just a little bit past idiocy they're just a little bit past um you know it's just absolutely ridiculous we need votes at 16 and you know anyone that really doesn't believe in that has another agenda at heart there's no factual basis that says voting shouldn't be extended to those that are 16 it should be only given to those that are 18. There's nothing radical that happens between 16 and 18. There's something radical that happens between 16 and like 23, 24 in terms of your brain development. But between 16 and 18, like that's just, there's no scientific <laughs> evidence for it. Like it's yeah. like, it, 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 do you know what I mean? Like it's, it doesn't make sense. Um, from my observation, I don't mean to generalize either. Um, there seems to be like a gap with, between complacency maybe of my like older brother's generation like when he was in college all him and his friends and me looking at them they wouldn't really care about things (coughs) they were just like oh everything's grand but I do you think there's like a revolution with maybe social media where people are all of a sudden you know fighting for change or has it been happening for ages and maybe I just wasn't aware of it and what do you think the urgency of like this this matter is um, how how old is your brother? He's uh, twenty eight. Twenty eight. Okay, that's interesting as well because I said the other day I'd love it to be twenty ten, twenty eleven again because mm. people were so angry. Um, I think there was a really like at level of anger around twenty ten, twenty eleven. So when your brother would have just been coming into college. Okay. Um, and that has kind of shifted away in that generation and they've kind of been like, oh, things have gotten a little bit better because they're like, look how bad it was. And a lot of them will also probably be almost traumatised by what it's like to not have anything, what it's like to not have any money, anything like that. And they will say, you know, and I'm not trying to generalise any group, I'm just trying to kind of get in their heads here and think about it and say, look, things are a bit better now. Fair enough, you know, this country doesn't have a lot of money. Whereas our generation... And I'm only, I mean like five years, maybe plus to that age, mm. max. Um, you know, those that are like 24, 23 and under will think, no, things should be better than this. It, it's not about today. It's about the next 15 years. And I think this is absolutely beautiful because it's something that I, I don't think has happened for so, so long that young people, people in general in this country are starting to think about what kind of a society should we have in the future? Mm. And people voted in their droves for Michael D. Higgins' vision for the future. So that shows we collectively believe in something bigger. But 
there's a big, big danger at play, which is social media and Twitter and Facebook, because we all think we think the same way mm. to the to the exact degree. So when someone thinks, when someone says something maybe about like a United Ireland um, that isn't necessarily online with what Sinn Féin think, they get absolutely attacked online. Mm. There's no right or wrong position there. Everyone's entitled to their own view. It's about making sure people aren't shouted down at. It's about making sure everyone is actually able to be heard and everyone's views are, you know, respected in a normal way so we don't get caught up in, like, an echo chamber because that's what happened with Donald Trump. That's what happened with Brexit. And that's what happened last week as well. Mm. If you went onto Twitter last week, you would have thought Jeremy Corbyn. Yeah, 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 Tory Mm. scum. Never Mm. kissed a Tory. Loads of young people voted for the Tories, mm. whether they voted for it because they're sick and tired of Brexit or because they want the Tories or they don't like Jeremy Corbyn. Uh, I don't know. No one knows. That's their own private vote. We have to be super, super careful that we're not just talking to each other. So if there's a thousand people at your march in September, there better be 1500 people the next time because we need to be focused on growing um, growing out and talking and having conversations and and collectivism is is our our worst mm. enemy. It's a case of oh my god, there was a protest outside the doll today, but it was raining, so I better not go out to it. Um, I I like it though, so I'm going to support it. I'm going to give you a retweet and a like and be like, hey, solidarity with you. If you have a genuine reason, you know, if you have a dis- disability, if you've got work, if you've got something else like that going on. Um, or you really need to prioritise seeing someone that day okay fair enough don't go but don't fall into this trap that you think mm. retweeting and liking something is, is going to do anything Leo Varadkar doesn't care if there's 10,000 retweets on a tweet he cares if there's 10,000 people outside Leinster House because then he'll poop his bricks do you yeah. know what I mean then he'll really really snap mm. into change but you're right you know something is happening um, but we need to make sure that it's actually manifesting itself into a democratic change mm. because nothing changes unless the doll changes or a referendum happens. And remember, a referendum only happens by political action or by the government having to do something. So, like, marriage equality wouldn't have happened if there wasn't large-scale protests which forced political parties to take stances in favour of marriage equality and then which led to Labour getting into government, which meant they could deliver it. Mm. Repeal the 8th wouldn't have happened if legislation for X wasn't brought in. Unfortunately, Sfida Halepanaver, all that kind of stuff, all that happening, Fine Gael being forced into having a referendum on it. You know, we can drive change in this country, mm. but we have to do it way beyond social media. Social media can just should be the, the icing on top. The real solid work is done on the streets. It's done at sit-ins. It's done outside, uh, the, outside your local constituency office. It's done writing letters, like handwriting letters, um, photo stunts, photo calls, proper campaigns that are all grassroots. That's what drives change. You know, collectivism... No, yeah. it has to go. It, it, it should be social media support. Mm. And we're all guilty of it. Like, I do it all the time. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm really caring with that. But I, 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 I can't go because <laughs> I'm too cosy and it's at 10 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. If we want to change things, we need to start showing up. Mm. Yeah. I suppose, yeah, it's a false sense of satisfaction. 
I think yeah. definitely you're just like I shared this I'm doing so well because yeah. when I uh, I moved from Dublin to Galway yeah. and uh, I was going to the doll every Friday because I worked just in Temple Bar so I was able to go on my lunch break and then when I moved to Galway there was like no <laughs> Fridays for Futures oh, okay. organisation at all so I organised this like poster painting I have a shop in Galway and I organised like the climate activism poster painting and there wasn't even a protest for Fridays for Futures okay. texted me and they were like we just cancelled it and I, yeah, because there's like not enough people involved, but there is like the Environmental Society and NUIG, and I think uh, I don't know if this is just like feigned for me, but there's like um, just loss of hope or like we're not getting heard, and I don't think things are just reaching outside of the city. So is USI like working with decentralization in any way? Because I just feel like anywhere, because I've done talks in Cork and yeah. Waterford and like all over the country. But there's just like no connect between Dublin and like the rest of the country. It's all just like, we need, we have so many issues here, but I think the issues for me anyway, I think it could be solved if decentralization was a priority and every, like it was just spread out among the country. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. And like, that's why we are 100% committed to making sure things are not Dublin focused. Um, and I suppose gas, you're asking the, the, the Dublin region vice president. Yeah, no. <laughs> but, um, no, look, I think I think things need to be outside of Dublin, and they are to some degree, but it's it's really difficult at times because this country is planned so poorly. Um, infrastructure links in this country are disastrous. Like, so if you want to have, and I'm just I'll get away, I'll get back to protests in a second. But if you want to have like a seminar or a conference in this country, it kind of has to be in Dublin or Cork mm-hmm. so that it's accessible for someone with a disability. Like even down to trains and buses for someone to be able to get on a bus. They're not accessible enough. And we need to make sure that the, these things are accessible so that everyone can go. That's just the first thing. The, the other thing as well is, in terms of USI, we work very closely with, with movements like One Galway, One Cork, um, to make sure that these, these campaigns are more so localised so that they're, they're movements and campaigns that are going on that affect people in those areas. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, you know, in, in One Cork, you know, making sure that you know, workers and trade unionists and student unions are all acting together to push on Cork TDs, Cork councillors, p- politicians, w- uh, workplaces to change kind of things there on a more communal level. We need more of this. We need more of that on local levels mm-hmm. because I think when you change, when you see change in your own community, when you see change in your own workplace, that's when that kind of lack of hope starts to go away and you kind of think I have a role to play here and I can actually change things so you're 100% right oh jeez <laughs> you're 100% right things need to be more decentralised and more localised um, but that can be very very difficult like my role as Dublin Region Vice President um, I have two colleagues with a similar job the Vice President for the BMW Region and the Vice President for the South Region mm. um, it's our jobs to make sure things are happening on local levels but it's also so so important that you know, students' unions, which are doing great work, but in the future continue to do that great work, to recognising that it's not just what goes on on my campus. My campus is part of a larger community and I have a really, really important role to play in making sure things happen and things change because, you know, you get elected to a student's union and you think, oh, it's my job to make sure the events happen. It's my job to make sure there's microwaves on campus. Mm-hmm. It's my job to make sure the cost of coffee goes down by 10 cents. 
It's a lot more than that. It's about, you know, looking at what are the workers' rights for the people that are in your college. You know, how much of your lecture is being paid, what's their welfare as well? So and what's going on in my local community? What's gonna to happen to those that graduate? Are they gonna leave Galway? Are they gonna leave Wexford? Are they gonna leave Carlow? Are they gonna leave Athlone and go to Dublin? Because the situation here isn't good enough. It's about demanding better on a much wider scale. Um, and I think we're doing it, but you're right. A lot of the protests, a lot of the demonstrations are very city focused. They're very, you know, they're hap- they are happening Dublin, Galway, Cork, that kind of stuff. Mm. But it's it's so difficult because it's kind of like, oh, there's only going to be ten people at that. I better not show up, and then yeah. no one shows up. So that's really, really, it's really tough. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because like, I, like, like as an organization like us, our our job is is organise and get people out there. Mm. But we need people to show up. Yeah. And I and I don't want to say that I'm not trying to be patronising. I also recognise people have to work. Like, mm. having a protest on a Saturday isn't going to work for everyone. Because... Yeah, protesting against the long hours to pay the rent so they're working. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's, another, that's a good point. Mm. Like, having a housing protest on a Saturday you're not going to have a lot of young people show up to no. them because they're all working. And then having a protest on a Wednesday at lunchtime is you'll have all the union officials, you'll have all the students there, but you won't necessarily have all the workers there or all the general general Josephs mm. because their lunchtime mightn't be one to two because our, our workers' rights legislation has changed that says these things can happen. Mm. So it's really difficult. Do you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> I think it's hard to get people to care. Like, yeah, especially, yeah. you know, like if I'm talking to my sisters, but it's a total just lack of education on what, like what's happening around them. Cause then I think it's just like masked over with life and yeah. stuff is pushed in front of them. And of course, like we all have distractions and stuff. <coughs> but for anyone that maybe is like on the fence and doesn't know kind of where to start on how to make a change, um, what kind of things can they do? Um, okay. So I first, the first thing I said is, you know, don't be using Twitter. Don't think Twitter is the, the, the be all end all. Keep tweeting, though, because yeah. people are listening and politicians don't necessarily know. Well, they might know now that they've listened to this podcast. <laughs> they don't necessarily know that Twitter is, is an echo chamber because it can be very, very effective. Mm. Um, you know, you keep lobbying someone online that can that can really, really work. What I would say is try and get involved in a local group. Um, don't necessarily think you need to be involved in the biggest and the best mm. because most of the time they're not. Most of the time they have their own internal politics um, yeah. that, don't, that won't help anyone. Mm. If you want to change things, um, you know, you don't need to join a political party. If it's Fridays for Future, you know, get involved in the local one. If, if you're in Carlo, get involved in the one in Carlo. Do you know what I mean? Or get, get involved in the one in Tipperary. And if there isn't one set up, set one up yourself. Um, if you build it, people will come. It will be tough at the beginning. And if only six people show up after, you know, a month of plastering the place with posters and social media posts whatever that's still six people now mm. that are going to stand outside your local town hall like Greta Thunberg was on her own at the very beginning do you know what I mean she was out there on her own during the, the original um, the original strikes you know movements can grow overnight or they can grow over a long long period of time you don't have a revolution in your sleep so it's about you know build it um, or join something local. If you join something local, you have a much bigger role to play on that level. And you will, it's, it's also really good for yourself as an individual because you can see the fruits of your work every, every single time you show up. And if you don't show up, everyone's going to be pointing the finger at you. So it's good for the morale as well. Um, so join a local group. So, you know, Fridays for Future, 
um, X or if you want to get involved in our campaign, you know, it's, it's simply keeping an eye on your students' union or USI.ie's uh, uh, Facebook and Instagram kind of stuff. We're constantly trying to get people to show up. Like, for example, in about an hour and a half, I'm going to be going to, or in an hour or so, I'm going to be going to the Ivy for, for that tips protest. We're trying to get students at those things as well because, you know, students are working in hospitality and they're not getting their tips. So, you know, if you want to get involved, um, show up to demonstrations, have a chat with someone, um, join a union. Bloody hell, join a union. Oh my God. If you're a student, you should be in, in a union. People think my student's union is my union. Your student's union is a form of a union, but it's a student's union. So it represents you as a student. It doesn't represent you necessarily. It will, will advocate on, on your rights as a worker, but you need to join a union as well. Um, because so many students aren't unionised, which means they're, they're getting so poorly paid. There's no excuse for us not to be paid properly. You know, we're human beings. We're giving up our, our work. You know, there's this whole thing of like, oh, if you're under a certain age, you shouldn't be paid as much. What the fuck? Like, that's absolutely insane. So get involved, but get involved on a grassroots level because grassroots come together and they form the big movements. Things, things change locally, mm. but... They, when they start changing locally, that's when they change nationally. But you have to start at the bottom up. You can't expect yourself to go in on day one and expect you to be the next Greta Thunberg within 365 days. Mm. It's not about that. It's about everyone's working collectively and everyone's working together because, again, Greta Thunberg would only be Greta Thunberg and only getting to do the things that she's doing and, and getting to have that level of influence because there's millions of people behind her. Um, that's what a movement really, really is. Okay, great. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Um, no, I, I think the two things. Um, <laughs> if you're not registered to vote, just register to vote. And if you haven't joined a union, join one because it's the best thing you could possibly do. Okay, great. Thanks so much. Cheers, thanks. That's the end of the video. Thanks so much for watching. Or watching? Oh my God, what? Um, me literally just in bed. Anyway, I had no idea that e people were even fucking listening to this. I didn't know if it was going to be a huge waste of time, but I'm having so much fun interviewing people. I'm, I think I was just like so sick of just talking about myself all the time, even though that's exactly what I'm doing right now. But anyway, I just thought that I, I have such a good big platform. Um, it was a good opportunity for me to like bring, uh, bring some sort of amplifier to people's voices that I think deserve to be heard so these are the people that I found so far and I'm really looking forward to my future guests that I'm going to have on as well and I hope you're enjoying it as well because there aren't any comments or well actually you can review me if you're listening to me on Apple Podcasts you can leave me a review that would be a nice thing to do or just text me on Instagram um, also any suggestions I'll be open to that too but I do have a lot of people lined up for the future but if there's anyone that you'd want to hear me interview um, yeah you can text me on Instagram or just tell me what you thought as well thanks so much again for listening and see you next week Judy was boring hello then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com it's my little escape now Judy's the life of the party oh baby mama's bringing home the bacon whoa take it easy Judy <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.